0: welcome to this week's episode of a question of code Uh, this week we are joined by tom sainsbury um, who has just finished a phd in neuroscience at king's college london and is interested in transitioning to data science but is currently uh, staying in academia welcome to the show tom
1: thank you for having me
2: it's very nice to have you i think we need a signal some kind of system for having two toms on the show Yeah, that might get a little confusing. I propose I am Tom Alpha and you're Tom Beta. How does that go?
1: (laughs) I I guess I'm still in training,
0: so yeah, (laughs) just finished. I wouldn't say say that. You're you're the one with the PhD, Tom, Sainsbury.
1: (laughs) Nearly. I've still got the Viva to go, so.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It's all handed in. It's done.
0: Yeah, that must be quite an intense time doing a PhD. They always seem like an intense but a very long period of time.
1: intense and definitely made more intense by the whole lockdown situation than having to write from home but to be fair I guess that's what I was going to be doing anyway so
0: it's not too cool different. and uh, and not to go I know I know people like talking about their PhDs but would you mind just like maybe briefly telling us what your PhD is about uh, Give- so I, I,
1: I'll tell you what the lab kind of does in general I think that's probably better so um what we do is we work on little tiny fish called Zebrafish, and we put this protein in their brain um, in every single neuron that flashes green when the neuron fires. Um, and that m- means that we can basically record from every single neuron in the brain because these fish are so small. Um, and what we try to do is use kind of coding and programming to kind of understand the pr- patterns that are going on in the brain during different types of behaviors. Um, and what my PhD specifically focuses on. Is actually how the visual environment during development shapes how neural networks in the brain form.
0: Wow, sounds sounds really interesting, and it's good to hear that coding is involved in that. Is that when I think of like scientists, I I, I would I would think oh they're just in a lab like doing experiments. I don't always necessarily think that they're using like code and the the same sort of code I'd use.
2: <laughs> I think
1: in biology, at least, uh, it used to be that you could just do some kind of manipulation to a biological system, take a picture. And that was enough, right? Um, But now when we're recording from every single neuron in the brain, your data set becomes massive. So any handling of data of that size to get meaningful kind of um, inferences out of it, you've got to do some kind of coding.
0: Yeah. Can you not just put this all into an Excel Excel spreadsheet or something like that?
1: Uh, So the data that I collect per day is around 500 gig so wow <laughs> <laughs> putting that into an excel spreadsheet it would be a nightmare also most things that can be done in an excel spreadsheet can be done far f- faster using code right i think we
0: yeah yeah oh, well we had um a couple of weeks ago we had a guy on talking about um pandas is that something that you use in your work
1: yes so so pandas i i've, I've actually heard it described as excel on steroids um, and it's mainly because you can just manipulate data much easier and you can basically put it in order with kind of logical code syntax so you can kind of change things around really easily. And I, I think for most kind of when you get data, it's often in quite a kind of dirty form and then you've got to transform it into different forms so you can actually use that data. And doing that in something like Excel would be super difficult.
0: Wow. Yeah, cool. That's good to hear, because that's, that's what our guest said a couple of weeks ago about cleaning up the data and how useful it was. So this yeah. is really interesting that code can be used in, in so many walks of life other than just writing computer programs or web development. Uh,
1: I, I, and I guess different from what you kind of usually have on the show, because I guess both of you are kind of more on the software development kind of side of things. But I guess there's this whole kind of area of code um, that... I I know, but I, I learned a lot from the podcast, I guess, <laughs> about uh-huh. what you guys do.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see that there is there is that kind of difference between people who... Well, not between the people, but between the, the work that is done between people who are programming as their primary like yeah. activity and then people who are using it as a tool to get their actual job done. Um, so is it Python that you're using most of the time?
1: So in terms of programming languages when you're working with data... Um, Often you're inputting some code and you want something back relatively quickly, like a plot, and then you want to enter in some more code based on that. So we tend not to use kind of lower level languages where you need to compile and things like that. So things that are mainly used are R or Python. Um, I use both and both have kind of different advantages. R is really good for plotting things. um, And it was basically made as a statistical library um, rather than like a core programming language. So it's, it's got all of those kind of statistics libraries in them. Um, but I actually kind of prefer Python because there's all of these new machine learning libraries. They integrate with Python really well. Um, and also just because Python's a bit more of a core programming language, you can integrate it with hardware much better. Um, so we use quite a lot of Python in the lab to control microscopes and things like that
2: as well excellent i have a potentially stupid question that you may shoot me down straight away but you mentioned you're dealing with the the neural networks in these fish the brains of these fish Yep. does the recent popularity of neural networks in programming uh, have any connection to the work that you're doing is it is it a useful tool or uh, is it completely unrelated
1: Yes. Uh, so, like, the the original kind of neural networks were based on biological networks. Um, the problem is the compute power that they needed to do them was, was massive, and at the time they didn't really have the data sets that they could really run, run it on. Um, now there's a lot more data to kind of run these things on, um, and the neural networks have kind of diverged away from biological networks a lot, but there's often still this concept of, a neuron, many neurons arranged in layers and you adjust the kind of weights between them, kind of like synaptic weights in the brain. Um, But yeah, they've kind of diverged a lot, but recently machine learning has been kind of more of a tool to use in neuroscience as well. So um, there's people who are using convolutional neural networks to track behavior. So you can label different points on an animal and you can really track its behavior really well. Um, and more recently, people have started to try and use the artificial neural networks as models for the biological ones. And they're trying to kind of bridge this gap again. Um, because, yeah, I, I guess in the, in the past, most neuroscience, you would try and write an equation for something. And that works at a level of a single neuron. Um, but when you want to kind of approximate kind of more complex computations, neural networks seem to be quite good at doing that so the kind of model people are starting to draw parallels between the
0: two awesome so so just i think we'll get more into some of that stuff you were just talking about in a a minute but um first i'd just like to know like did you know any coding before you started your phd was that something that was just a hobby and you brought it in or was that something you learned on the way and how did you learn it
1: absolutely none at all um and coding was never something i thought i would enjoy um yeah i i i guess it was very much the same for you ed as well
0: yeah 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 i kind That's, of once you start doing it you kind of you, it's it's an easy thing to get hooked into I think isn't it's it? when you
1: realize that like for, for me in my phd it was there's certain questions that i want to answer and i need to learn to program to do those and then you suddenly realize that you really enjoy programming in itself um so and then you kind of roll with that and kind of make your PhD slightly more about that.
0: <laughs> so so you, you started coding out of necessity, essentially, for your job.
1: Yeah, really. uh, yeah. Um, I was quite lucky that I had a physicist in the lab who coded all the time. He was basically, in some ways, the data scientist of the lab, um, but he kind of transferred that knowledge to us. So it, parts of it. I, I would say most of the stuff I've had to teach myself, especially in terms of Python, he, he didn't really code in Python.
0: Oh. Oh, do you have any like resources or anything? How did, how did you learn Python? If, if this guy in the lab didn't do it, how did you learn?
1: The thing that really got me into coding and the, and the first one that I actually... I tried like a few courses in R before, um, but the one that I actually really gelled with is this one called R for Data Science, uh, which is written by um, Hadley Wickham which is uh, he's written loads of the kind of R data science kind of uh, libraries. And uh, I I think it's actually a book with O'Reilly, but there's basically an internet version of it. Um, And working through that, you get to work with loads of different data sets and you start to learn how to basically clean data sets up, how to start plotting things, and then how to start kind of doing more kind of complex kind of um, statistical analysis as well.
2: Cool. So all this talk of data science ties nicely into our question for this episode, which is how do you get into data science? How do you get started with data science? Um, it seems like maybe we've kind of got your origin story now. Um, so what would you? What would your biggest recommendation be to someone who was thinking, how do I get into data science?
1: Um, so I I still wouldn't claim that I'm a data scientist. I would say that. Um, I'm, I'm a scientist who works with data, um, but I, I, think, I, think, I think the traditional kind of idea of being a data scientist is kind of more of a kind of industry-led role, or you, you kind of have some academic roles, but purely working on data science itself. Um, right, so I, I, I would... Because the way I, I probably imagined this was like, there's actually lots of people in my situation who work in science or have maybe done a kind of science-related uh, degree who don't necessarily know what their skills can apply to in the kind of uh, industry, in, in, in the kind of um, non-academic world, right? Um, but actually, quite a lot of the time, people who from those kind of backgrounds, they have built up quite a lot of skills with working with data already. Um, so there's lots of things in terms of industry, in terms of, like, kind of production-based data science. So things like... Um, recommendation systems so like you know with netflix it will recommend videos to you based on uh, videos that you've watched in the past Um, and that is all under the hood basically data science and machine learning algorithms targeting you based on those kind of things Um, that doesn't really answer the question though does it no i think that
2: that comes pretty close because the important thing to for people to know when they're getting into this is that it's a wider industry than just the science i mean coming from my from my perspective i'm aware of data science as being a role within enterprise organizations so that yeah. anyone who's got a big customer base and wants to do stuff is going to have loads of data they're going to need people to arrange that i've not really come across it from the science perspective before so yeah
0: okay well, that's in, yeah, just yeah. interesting because i i i've only really heard of data scientists like at university and studying and stuff like that so yeah, that's that yeah, yeah. interesting that they can be used in like industry as well.
1: Well, but Basically, on most decisions that a business needs to make are going to be informed on data and insight from data. And basically, you need people who know what they're doing um, so you can make sure those are well-informed decisions. And I, I think that's the kind of role of the data science in the kind of, the kind of company kind of setting.
2: Yeah. So if you're coming from, a science, uh, from an academic background, be aware that there's a commercial sort of avenue for data science? And if you're coming to it from commercial, be aware that it has applications in science as well?
1: I I think if you're coming from a a science kind of background, you don't necessarily know where your skills might fit into uh, a company. I don't think you know that quite a lot of the time that the exact thing that they're looking for in terms of trying to get some insight on some kind of data or even building data kind of products, you often have. Um, And I think quite a lot of people who i come across and, and me myself at times have been thinking of making this leap and uh, it feels very alien because you just don't know the business kind of setting
0: and i guess you probably do have those skills that are necessary for that job but you may not have even thought about it you may think exactly. oh I've, I've i've learned all this stuff but I, i've learned this science stuff in this academic setting yeah. how could i possibly take this to netflix or spotify or someone to do their algorithms
1: yeah exactly uh, or or even, even in kind of commercial health kind of stuff. There's loads of people who are working on uh, kind of health diagnosis stuff, but from a kind of commercial setting, um, like mm. being able to diagnose uh, certain lung cancers from an X-ray and things like that and using kind of machine learning algorithms to do that. Um, lot, recently, those kind of algorithms have actually even outperformed doctors in, that, in diagnosing those kind of things. So these are things that are really beneficial to society still. But outside of academia, which i I, I think is an interesting
0: kind of thing no yeah it's always nice to 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 let people know about the different avenues in in tech in science and those sorts of things, so when I started, I was just I just thought oh there's web developers there's maybe some of these people that make the software that goes on your computer, and that 's about it but mm. in fact there's like there's so much more you can do with code. Um, do you think maybe someone coming from a non non-science background would be able to make that transition say someone who's really into code really good at python or things like that do you think they do you think what, what what sorts of things would they need to do to make that jump the other way
1: so often they can and and it's because they're already writing algorithms most of the time i think for people wanting to make that jump the other way it's probably best to get a solid grounding in some kind of maths And it doesn't have to be all of maths, like most of data science is all statistics and probability, um, a tiny bit of linear algebra and a little bit of calculus. Um, And if you kind of know those things, you can kind of go quite far. But I think just just to to be honest, I think actually probably the most important thing, if someone's wanting to do that, is to start working with data sets as well. Actually Mm -hmm. start exploring them, start trying to make stories out of them, ask questions about that kind of thing. Because I guess that's what I as a scientist do and I kind of take that for granted a little bit um, because that's my everyday life. But I guess if you're coming the other way and you can program a bit, you can, you can start to maybe go, okay, what, what could be interesting about this data? Starting to get familiar with kind of simple problems and simple questions that you can ask and build up from there.
0: Yeah, because it is quite an important thing in kind of basically every bit of coding that I've probably ever done is like the data behind it. Like even when I was doing yeah. my first, like one of my first websites, I was doing like my rugby graph and then I made like graphs out of the table and stuff. That was, I suppose, like that, that sort of uh, area of coding is like making using matplotlib in from Python to make graphs and stuff out of data. I guess that is a, in a very simple sense, data science, perhaps. <laughs>
1: yeah and and but also you've been taking that further recently right you've you've started working with some kind of machine learning a little bit more uh, as well
0: not personally at work at work okay, we've yeah. now like moved into like a, a kind of looking at some machine learning stuff and yeah. that sort of stuff as well but yeah that's that's also an interesting thing but i find i think a lot of that uh you, you do need like like you said you do actually need a little bit of maths and to be able to like really fully understand like how a neural network works and stuff like that and that these like uh, algorithms do come up, don't
1: they? Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, you, you've. I am guessing you both know about the Fast AI course. Have you heard of that? It's a, I
0: have because we've been looking at it. I am not okay, sure if Tom I actually has. haven't.
2: No, that's new to me. So it's
1: it's it's a course created by a data science scientist called uh, Jeremy Howard, and it's actually completely designed to teach people about deep learning and machine learning. Um, and it kind of really starts from a very high level where you're already able to deploy neural networks and train neural networks within the first kind of uh, lecture, and then it starts to break down how the machine learning algorithms kind of work. But I've I've heard that people, even from that very first few lectures, have already created machine learning algorithms that they have used in production. Um, I think he used the example of um, someone who was looking at deforestation and uh, had trained a neural network to recognize the sound of a chainsaw, and he had this network of phones, and he was deploying these networks on these phones, and then it could pinpoint using GPS um, to a ranger where the chainsaw was being used and get a a ranger there pretty quick. And that's with sounded like it was with relatively minimal knowledge of how neural networks worked. Um, so I, I think you can get by to an extent without knowing all of the kind of details under the hood. Um, if, you, if you just want to deploy something that someone else has already done, sometimes you can do that.
2: It sounds like you can get a long way with a bit of TensorFlow and some like willingness to just accept that it's a black box and you'll throw something in and get something out.
1: Yeah, in, in a sense that that is what a lot of people who have been doing it for many years also do. It's, it's still a black box. It still doesn't tell you much about the problem that you're studying. It just gives you an input-output answer, but...
0: so so that kind of breaks down the barrier of needing to know all this complicated maths and stuff there is there are there are ways of doing it without having to understand that much necessarily
1: so i I would say it depends on your problem um there are some kind of problems now that actually companies are actually turning away from deep learning because they are this black box um if you want to kind of predict your sales in the future, and you've got a few different variables on how to do that, and you use the black box to do it, you don't necessarily know which of those variables was telling you that you're going to get that result, right? Um, So lots of companies are kind of turning back to kind of more statistical modeling based approaches, um, because they require you coming up with a model of how things are working, right? and then from that model you can say actually, actually it's this variable it's the thing that we this advertising campaign that we did at this particular time that is projecting our sales for for whatever right
2: i guess there's an argument you could be uh, in the same position as the the old fashioned marketers who they know only 20% of their budget is is being used wisely but they don't know which 20% it's yeah
1: exactly <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> So I, I think there it probably requires a little more understanding of the maths and the kind of process that's going on. Um, but yeah, depends on your problem. If your if your mm. problem is just detecting a chainsaw going off a, in in some part of the forest, then maybe maybe it's enough.
2: I think it's, I feel like it's good for like grants and applications at the moment because it's it's pretty trendy. Like if you can sort of
1: I, I, it's, it's definitely trendy and and the the term ai definitely gets banded around more than it should as well right?
2: <laughs> at some point you'd be better off with just an if
0: statement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are, uh, yeah i think we are planning to do an, an episode on ai at some point <laughs> so that sounds good maybe we'll get yeah. get you back and you can talk about that yeah um, I mean. Yeah. So, would you say like machine learning is a branch of data science? Is that more it's, in the data science realm of things? Yeah, I,
1: I, I think data science is really encompasses a lot of different techniques, like lots of uh, Bayesian inference, um, statistical inference, and machine learning s- seems to be the big one right now. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I think as a data, what most people are looking for in data scientists are, are kind of A little bit of expertise in all of those. So uh, you can often go for a a simple solution first. And then if it's a difficult problem, then maybe roll out the kind of deep learning kind of approaches to kind of approach those. Because they they, they do take a long time to implement um, and a very long time to collect the data that's needed to train them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So for someone that maybe is just starting out with coding and maybe is, is interested in data, is interested in this sort of data manipulation stuff, where might, what might be a good place for them to go? Is there kind of, is there a, like, are there techniques that are used? Are there places? I know we talked about fast AI. Maybe that's a bit too much and like machine learning side of things, but if they just want to have a play around with data, do you have any like good tips for where people can go and have a explore?
1: So if you, if you want to play around with data, the best place to go is probably a website called Kaggle. Um, so Kaggle is basically a massive database of different data sets that people have collected. And you can basically go through and just find one that you're interested in and kind of start to play around with it. Um, and and often people have already analyzed the data sets, so you can see maybe how they've analyzed them. Um, my recommendation with that is don't look at how they've done it until you've had a go at it yourself because it really biases you and you just end up thinking about it in one way and that's the way they did it. I think the best way that whenever I've tried to do this is to take a data set, really look through it, plot out a few things, plot out a few variables and see how they relate to each other and then start to ask some kind of questions about it um, and then kind of go from there.
0: Hmm. So I could just go on to Kaggle and just download the data is that that's how it works? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah,
1: um, so you, you can either download it from the browser or they have their own API within Python, I think, for downloading data sets as well.
0: Hmm. So maybe if I wanted to do this on my own machine, um, would I just write a Python script or something? Would that be the best way of, of dealing with like data science-y sort of code? So... Do
1: you,
0: do you see what I'm hinting at? Coding,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like Coding and data science, um, I think often is very different from the kind of uh, scripting that you might do in kind of uh, program development or software development. Um, So as as I said um, kind of earlier, so like often you want to run a little bit of code and you want to get an answer back. So maybe it's a plot or something, and then based on that, you want to answer a different question. So then you want to enter in some more code. And often you also want to communicate what you've done to other people, right? So you kind of want to mm-hmm. make a story out of it. Um, and there's this thing called uh, Jupyter notebooks. I don't know whether either of you have come across them before. Uh, I've,
0: I've actually i've it. I've been using them a bit, little bit of work, and they yeah. are. I don't know. I find them a bit tricky because I guess I'm used to like uh, just dealing with yeah. running a running a bit of code. But yeah, the, the, there are some really good benefits to them. There, there,
1: there's some really good benefits. And if, if you just want to just like play around with some code or you have one function that you want to write and you want to try and play around until you get the kind of right answer without having to run a whole script each time, um, it can be really useful for that. Um, but I, I think in terms of uh, kind of data science, where they become really useful is that you can do markdown text within them and you can also uh, do kind of LaTeX equations within them. So you can say okay, this is the question I wanted to answer. This is the method I'm going to use. And then you write out some code and then it comes back with a plot. And then you go, okay, this is the next question I was going to answer. This is is how I do that. So I think it's really good, firstly, in terms of exploring data sets, just while you're by yourself, because you run it cell by cell rather than the whole script. But it's also great for just communicating your ideas to other people. It's basically Mm -hmm. like a really... Advanced commenting commenting method, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is like a like a word document, but with like code embedded into it that you can exactly. change and run and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Although I I have heard that sometimes it um, kind of develops bad coding ha- habits because often you can end up running cells out of order, um, and you mm-hmm. just get used to writing it within one particular um, kind of cell basis rather than writing kind of modular code where you can bring in different functions. So I I, I think Jupyter Notebooks are great for exploratory data analysis, but if you ever wanna move something to where you need to batch an analysis or um, kind of scale something out for production, then you wanna use kind of scripts. So it's good to do both.
0: Yeah, so for for someone that maybe is mainly in data science or is a scientist at the moment and does coding as well, if they did want to go over and do kind of production data, uh, production data science uh, for like Netflix, et cetera, um, they probably want to kind of take some of those notebooks that they may have already written and try and convert them into like a Python script so that they get into that habit.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is one of the most important things that I've heard. Um, If you're not from a kind of computer science background, um, you basically need a portfolio to show that you can do data science um Mm -hmm. and you and you've got to do that in a way that you can tell a story to someone so you basically want to have a few projects that you've kind of been working on that are on github in Jupyter notebooks that someone can just read through i think that's a good way of showing to potential employers that you can you can tell a story with data you can ask questions and you know the correct kind of analysis to do
0: great and if, if someone is looking for uh you're talking about employers um i'd do you know, I know it sounds like you're looking, maybe you're in the realm of looking for a data science job. Is, is that correct? I think that's what you said in your bio. Uh,
1: I'm staying in academia for now. Um, okay. But maybe oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I think at, at one point I was really interested in in moving into data science and uh, I found a potential job where I can do very much data science techniques within academia. So I think that's that's good for me and I get to answer the questions I want. Um but, yes, at one point, I was definitely considering moving out, and I was really thinking about um, how my skills could be applied to kind of other questions
0: and and so when you were maybe when you were looking for a job is are there any good places that you would suggest that that maybe if people are listening and're they're, they're interested in getting a data science job is there a place that data scientists go I mean I don't know i, I I'm just not in that world I suppose
1: yeah uh, so I would say one of the best things for this is uh, something called pi data uh, which is basically Python data um, and they have meetups all the time um where they have a couple of talks and then they're kind of like social at the pub afterwards and in terms of not at the moment, not at the moment, they're, but they're doing them online. Yeah, they're doing virtual ones at the moment. Um, I think they were really useful for me in terms of going along and seeing how people were using maybe the same techniques that I was using, but for a completely different purpose. So you you get people from industry talking there. You get people who are working on climate change, on health-related things, on Google recommendation systems, Google DeepMind, and um, Basically, every single time I've gone along to one of these and then had a couple of pints with people in the pub afterwards, got into chat, almost every single time I've, I've been asked to uh, apply for a, a job that they're advertising or something. Um, I think recruiters actively go to these meetings um, mm-hmm. to find people who are interested in data science when they're looking to recruit people. So I think that I would say that is one of the most useful things to go to.
0: Yeah, we, we've talked about how useful meetups are in the past, and this is just another uh, uh, another example of, of how they are so useful. That's great. Thanks.
1: And and I'm and I'm sure there's a lot more out there as well um, that yeah. I haven't
0: explored. But yeah, so go go out, look for some look for, if you're in, in that area, look for some meetups. Maybe start a Pi Data. I'm sure they they might link to other sorts of data sciencey ones as well.
2: Yeah, awesome. Because your program, have you taken your programming in other avenues? Tom have you gone from like the stuff that you're doing that's strictly data science have you, you know, tried to apply that in, a, in another scenario that's not data science related like in um, what I would think of as quote unquote regular programming i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, well so in in some ways because uh, c- c- I work in the lab um, quite a lot of the time we we have to build kind of little machine interfaces and things like that um, so something that i work with every now and again are um, Arduinos oh, awesome. and things like that. So kind of building uh, software for kind of experiments and things like that. Um, it's probably n- not good software, but it works. <laughs> it's, it's fit for purpose. But, uh...
2: <laughs> I, th- I think that's a good definition of every piece of software. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds legit to me. Yeah, The, the, the reason for asking is that it's, um, it seems like you're building up a very – specialized and very elite set of skills that are going to be in high demand and i was yeah, interested to see if that spills over into a love for programming in general
1: I, well i think it's i think it's good if, if you're a data scientist anyway to kind of integrate maybe your what the analysis you're developing or any data science products into any applications as well you want to make it so that they can be rolled out in production and things like that um but yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in other other areas of programming. Uh, I I think probably for me after taking the CS50 course, um, that I've got am going to do the sound effects.
0: <laughs> Have we got a sound effect for that yet? Yeah, we do. <laughs> What's what, what the sound effect for it? I think it's just.
1: This is CS50. <laughs> it's it's so well produced though. Like um, yeah, it's, like a good it's, 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 it's one of the most entertaining courses I've watched in. on on programming Um, yeah so yeah very very much interested in other areas of programming Mm.
0: so you found that even though you're you're doing a PhD in neuroscience and obviously that probably was what took up most of your time that once you started doing the coding that was something you really enjoyed
1: yeah coding is 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 something that has really taken over as a, a bit of a love for me yeah I feel like I'm kind of really rolling with that at the moment and really developing my skills uh, like even at the moment like just the other day I was I was uh, starting building graphic user interfaces because in in the lab we te- we tend to use just the terminal for running stuff but it's quite nice just having a GUI and being able to run experiments that way
2: awesome a lot of good stuff in there i think there's a lot of useful things for people who are yeah like our target audience are people who are learning to code who are looking to get into the career and this is like another avenue that is open to people
1: yeah. Yeah. I, but so I, I think that's this also the same for pretty much anyone who's done any science undergrad, right? They don't necessarily know how to code, but they know some kind of data kind of, um, how, how to look at data and how to kind of analyze it. Um, so I, I think quite a lot of people, when they finish their kind of university degrees on the kind of science and technology side, they don't necessarily know that data science even exists. Right. Um, at least within my circles anyway. I I don't think I knew about it back then.
0: And I I guess there are loads of transferable skills between just like doing an undergrad in science and becoming a coder. Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, Uh, even right down to presenting things, presenting concepts um, and and just asking questions. Um, Those are all things that are very much just science-based things, but they apply to data science and quite a lot of people don't necessarily have those skills.
0: Mm. I remember someone saying once that like, the the way that scientists like approach a problem is quite similar to the way that coders approach a problem. So like, if, if I come across a bug, I'll have a, a hypothesis about the bug and then I'll, I'll do some tests to work out if that's correct, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that, that, there's that sort of mindset as well.
1: Coding is very much the scientific method. And it's, it's, I think having a problem and thinking about breaking it down into smaller problems and then working on each of those problems and how they link together Um I think if you come from a science background, you, you sometimes do that. You definitely have to do that in programming for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think once you get further towards um, kind of higher in, in, in science, I think you have to think about problems in the same way a bit more at that point. So, yeah, I think they're very similar skills in
0: some ways. Great. I think that leads us nicely onto the, the final question of the show, um, which we ask all our guests, which is uh, just your top three tips for people wanting to change career into something that involves coding.
1: So I, I think if, if you're going to do that, I think the first thing that you want to do is start building a portfolio. So um, in, in data science, go to Kaggle, start working on some projects, put them into some Jupyter notebooks, try and tell a story with them. Um, and put them onto GitHub so that people can see them, or onto a blog. Blogs also work quite well. Um, Secondly, go to meetups. Um, I think when you don't know anyone within a particular industry that you're trying to get into, going and actually meeting those people, listening to them talk, asking some questions to them in the pub afterwards, it just means that you've got a contact. Um, And also means that you can kind of find people who you might be able to work on kind of projects together. Um, So I I guess the third one is if you can work on group projects, because this is what you're going to be doing as a data scientist most of the time, right? Um, You're going to be writing code that someone else can read or maybe writing parts of code so that you can kind of integrate them together. So if you can show you can do that in your portfolio, um, I think that's what people would really be looking for when they're hiring.
0: Great. thanks. That's, that's some really good advice there. And is kind of, we always get kind of similar advice from a few of our guests. And it's good to hear that a lot of things come up, like making sure you, you've got a portfolio and you've got things to show. That's really good to hear. Yeah,
1: It's the, it's the same kind of things, because I, I think it's just demonstrating to someone that you can do something right. And if you haven't got that physical copy, if you're, if you're not the computer scientist with the degree, having a portfolio is just a way of saying, look, I, I can do this. As well,
0: mm. yeah. I think that's also that. That's what I felt like. It's especially true when you are changing career. Um, you don't have you don't have anything necessary to show in that the career you're moving to. Whereas if you've got these things, you can say, "Look, I've built this. I've built this." Yeah. um, that's always going to be a really good sign to people looking to employ you. I,
1: I guess it's also a check on the CV, right? People can write things on their CV, and if you've got that portfolio to back it up, they, they might not even read through the whole thing. But it's it's just something just to show show it you're thinking about those things in those ways
0: yeah definitely so thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode of a question of code um thank you tom for coming on and talking to us about your phd and all about data scientists um that feels like a, a whole area of code now that kind of expanded uh, my mind a little bit about what what actually goes on behind those uh, science doors <laughs> i'm definitely going to go to kaggle now and have a play around
1: <laughs> well thank you very v- much for having me on as well I've, I've been listening to the podcast for a while, so it's quite nice nice chatting to you guys online. Oh, the, yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks.
0: So if you're listening at home, you can always find us on Twitter at AQO code, And you can find us online at
2: aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com, uh, where you can find all the ways to get in touch with us. Um, and please do get in touch if you can uh, and share the word about the podcast. But also you can get in touch with our guest today, Tom Sainsbury. Tom, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you?
0: Uh,
1: probably Twitter. My, my uh, Twitter handle is uh, Sainsbury underscore Tom.
0: Cool. And we'll have links to all those in the show notes as well, as well as all the, the stuff we talked about during the show. So make sure you're subscribing and share with your friends as usual um, or anyone you know that's trying to get into coding. Uh, the more people that hear this, the merrier, uh, the more people we can help. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye, guys.